0: Hello everybody, this is Tamsin Wolf, and welcome to Bullseye. This is the 11th episode and this one is called The Stalker. And I do just need to put a bit of a trigger warning in place at the start of this episode. It doesn't actually describe any kind of abuse so much, or not on a physical level, but it is quite a heavy story and involves themes of self-harm, I don't know which words I have to cut out so I don't get taken off the platform here. Self-harm, unaliving, I think is the way you're supposed to put it now so you get through the algorithm. Yeah, but yeah, there's definitely heavy, darker themes with this episode, so please be aware and please yeah, don't listen if it's going to be triggering for you and a little bit too much at this time. Also, too... Yeah, thanks for all all the new listeners that have popped up over the last couple of episodes. It's really amazing, again, just to see how you know how people are obviously enjoying or you know getting something out of listening to this. I'm really really glad they are, and it's obvious now that I can tell by the numbers growing steadily all the time that you are. So I really appreciate you being there. And again, yeah, I'm just going to keep going with this series for as many episodes as it takes to tell all of my stories, which, let's face it, we've got a heck of a lot of them, so I'll be going for quite a lot a long while yet. And I just wanted to start off with something nice, to, just to kind of cushion the blow of the bit of darkness that's coming after this. But I'm doing another little giveaway, and I'd love it if you all could enter. Uh, wherever you are in the world, it doesn't matter. I'll post the prize off to you. And the prize this time is from the Sydney Sock Company Sydney in Australia, where I live, obviously, and it's an organisation. I'll actually read you the sort of mission statement thing here just because they say it better than I could, obviously. The Sydney Sock Project was founded in 2018 on a desire to make a difference to Australian communities in need. We partner with charities to create a positive social impact to disadvantaged com- communities in the areas of homelessness, Mental health, education, and much more. Our mission is to transform an everyday essential into a cheerful and fun experience. And then they're actually, this one I'm looking at now is a collaboration with with an organization called Friends with Dignity. And they collab with Sydney Sock Company. And their mission statement is a collaborative national not for profit focused on improving the quality of life of any adult and child impacted by domestic violence through the provision of financial and tangible resources, programs and scholarships, and enhancing the personal safety of individuals. So as you can see, a lovely organisation with a really good cause there. And there's two pairs of socks I've got to give away, and they're really cute. I wish I could show you visually, but I'll actually post a couple of photos of them on my Facebook page, my Bullseye podcast with Tams and Wolf. If you want to check that out, I'll put the photos up there and I'll put it on my Instagram page as well, which is called My Bullseye Podcast. So yeah, if you want to check out what they look like. The blue ones are really pretty. They've got a daisy motif on them, like a pretty daisy pattern. And they're ankle socks and they're a very pretty shade of kind of sky blue, I guess you'd call them. And the pink ones are quite a bit longer, like they're longer socks that come up under your knee, I think. And they're very pretty pink colour, like a candy pink kind of thing with little daisy motives as well. And the organisation that the proceeds of buying these ones goes to is specifically um, domestic violence victims and yeah, people seeking solace and seeking protection from domestic violence situations. So yeah the proceeds uh, from these companies go towards many different charities, but that's the one I've specifically picked this little giveaway. So please to enter. I've actually got a new what do you call it? Email address too that's probably a bit easier to remember than the other one. And it's called podcast at gmail.com. Oh it's my podcast at gmail.com. So just drop me a really quick email on that one and just put in the header or even as a little message to me if you like. Just put pink or blue. So would you like the little blue ankle ones or the pink longer ones that have got little daisies on them? Very, very cute. And I wear them myself. I've had my own pair for a little while now of the pink ones. But yeah, so that's just a little thank you from me to you for your support and for listening as you always do. And yeah, so just drop me a quick, actually just do it now if you like and pause me for a minute just so you don't forget to do it because if I say these things at the beginning of the podcast and they can be forgotten by the end, pause me for a minute and just drop me a quick email and just say pink socks or blue socks that you want. And remember, of course, to leave your postal address as well in the message so I know where to send them. Thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, the episode this week is called The Stalker. And it's at a time of my life when, again, still around the age of 13, when I'm living in a little flat, little unit thing, primarily on my own. My mum was, in theory, living there with me, me and my little brother and her, but she was still very ensconced, there's a good word, with my stepfather at the time, unfortunately, and she'd still stay a lot of the time back at the place that he lived in. And I'll get to that in the next episode of the times that she came back to stay with me there. There were never good times. They were always very troubled times. She was always in a terrible mood, terrible headspace, to the point where it got very dangerous and abusive. And that all will come out in the next episode. It's very, very triggering as well. Yeah, and the other reasons that she would come back stay at that place was because she ended up having an affair with another man. That That's a whole other story. But, yeah, she'd come back to the unit and sleep with him. So she very rarely came back for me. That's just a fact. And so, so what I'm getting at is that I was alone there a lot of the time and very, very lonely and very... Vulnerable, extremely vulnerable, obviously, a 13 year old that was very much left to their own devices and didn't have recourse to many options there as far as people to turn to. And so I learnt not to. And uh, yeah, this was just in the midst of a few other things taking place where I was still very much traumatized by the abuse from my stepfather that hadn't ended, you know, it only ended a little while before this. And I used to just sort of, you know, look after myself and I'd take myself off to school sometimes, not all the time, certainly not all the time, that I would skip school as much as I possibly could. But when I did go to school, the bus stop that I caught the school bus from was probably, I'd say, probably 50 metres from the front door of where I lived. And so when I'd walk to the bus stop, It was opposite a park. This is all relative, I mean, relevant to what I'm going to talk about later, but it's opposite a fairly open park that was there that had a lot of trees and stuff like that. So just so you get that image in your mind that, let's just say, a lot of places to hide, which is relevant to the story. But, yeah, I used to go to the bus stop in the morning and I'd usually, you know, if I was going to catch the bus at all, only just get there with seconds to spare to to get on the bus. A lot of the times I used to miss it too, but there must have been in hindsight again that I think there must have been occasions when I was standing there for longer than that to wait for the bus and, well, obviously there was because this is how this story starts, that one day I'll just sort of start in a linear way of like what happened from the beginning and then what went on to happen after that. I it was in the days you always got to think to it was in the days before mobile phones so this was kind of like mid 80s and we didn't have mobile phones we didn't have you know a lot of technology that we have now if someone is going to stalk you and you know harass you in some way I guess they have to do so and put a fair bit more effort in than you have to do these days with a phone and so yeah that's where it starts that I just remember this one day returning home from school on my own again as usual naturally (laughs) and um, I'm not making fun of it by the way I have to intersperse a few little laughs into this story because it's such a horrendous dark one yeah I came home from school and I remember checking the mailbox and again in those days because you couldn't send a text or anything there was a little scrap of paper in my mailbox and it had oh this is actually I don't know if I've ever explained this to you but it I don't think I've ever brought this up, but my birth name is Monique, not Tamsin. And there is a whole raft of reasons why my name is Tamsin now. I'll get to explaining that one day why my name is Tamsin now, but as a child, it was Monique. So when I'm saying, blah, 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 Monique, I'm talking about me. And yeah, I got a note in the mail that, had Monique written on the front of the little scrap bit of paper with sort of hearts and squiggles around it and everything. And it just said, the very first one just said, I am so in love with you. I remember that. And I remember just laughing when I got it because I really did just assume that it was from one of my friends or school friends or someone that caught the bus or someone was just taking the piss or being funny in some way because we were very big on writing notes to each other in that era. My friends at school and I used to write notes to each other every day with funny things written on them, so I didn't really have any concern at all about who it might be from. And I, I probably just didn't think any more of it. But then the next day and the next day and for quite a few consecutive days, there'd be a note every time I'd come home and it'd be whether I was coming home from school or whether I had gone somewhere on my push bike. I was always going somewhere on my bike. Or even on the weekends it happened when, you know, I'd been away somewhere for the day and then come home. There'd be these notes, uh, little notes of paper in my mailbox with just various things. I'm in love with you. You're beautiful. Can't stop thinking of you, that kind of thing. Like relatively, you know, not deliberately, specifically harmful to begin with. And and in my mind, again, this is where the timelines are always interesting because I think that, you know, in my mind, this went on for a couple of months. But, you know, to me, you know, when I was a child, I think it could have been a bit longer than that. It could have been not as long as that. Um, that's the only area I'm ever a little bit doubtful on is how long events went on for or carried on for. But yeah, it seemed to go on for quite a while because I remember I had quite a lot of notes and then they'd... Progress to being a little bit longer letters with you know more writing on them and stuff and and I to my memory I remember telling probably one or two friends possibly about what was happening because I thought it might have been them that was doing it although I couldn't work out how they were doing it or why or and I just remember like, my vague memory of who I was telling at that time didn't they didn't have anything to do with it and you know, seemed honestly not to know what I was talking about. And as always, I always have to put in the little caveat there that I obviously don't tell my mum things by this stage because I'd well and truly learnt not to. And that anything I did tell her, um, there's going to be very little done about it. And she was just such a bizarre mother in so many ways, she probably would have thought it was funny or flattering somehow almost. Very strange way of thinking, but yeah, it. And then also because in, in the days when you couldn't text a dick pic, as you can or shouldn't probably have said that, so many so – I'm sorry, when I hesitate and try to use a different word for something that doesn't make much sense, it's just so I'm not using words that can get the show taken off the air because there's lots of silly things that can get it taken down because you're not allowed to say certain words and stuff that's been happening lately. So, yes, probably shouldn't say that. A penile picture was – because you couldn't send one in a text that day, you had to actually take a photo of your bits and give it to the person that way. So I there was at least two, and I remember probably more, but I can distinctly remember the two that were like Polaroid pictures, you know, as in shake it like a Polaroid picture with the, you know, when it's a one that you can do automatically kind of thing and it takes the photo straight away. And one of them was indeed a, a D-pic that was put into my mailbox and another one bizarrely was <clears throat> excuse me it was of a chest and arm like a male chest and arm and i was of course after this still none the wiser as to who was doing these things because i didn't recognize the pics thankfully and i obviously i started to get a little bit creeped out at that stage and just thought you know it's a little bit more than a joke now But again, being the very, very naive child that I was, I don't recall that I told anybody else. I certainly didn't go to the police, as I probably should have. A whole lot of things where I probably just by that stage thought, oh, here we go. It's just another weird bit of shit happening to me. And honestly, there had been so many strange things up to this point. I don't know what I would have even thought at this stage or what I would have considered it to be or how serious or whatever. It into my own head at that time, and sometimes I wish I could just to know what on earth I was thinking. But, yeah, so it went on, and it was definitely a bit creepy and a bit scary, and I just, you know, it probably just happened a few more times after that, I would say. And then the culmination of it all was that I went to a beach party one night in the town that I lived in, and it was, I remember, it was quite cold, so it could have been in the winter time. And there was a big bonfire on the beach and I think most kids were around my age, so we were probably like 13, 14, 15-year-old kids. And I remember we all had bottles of alcohol as we did and so probably passion pop and summer wine was the choice of the day because they cost about 79 cents. Yeah, so we were at a bonfire and we were dancing. There was probably some kind of boom box involved with a. Cassette tape of some kind. I can't really remember, but I know there was music and I know there was a fire, and I know that I was definitely inebriated to some extent, which I normally was given any opportunity at this stage of my life. Anything that would block stuff out is what I would do. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been completely, what's the word, like, you know, comprehending what was going on around me to some degree. Probably to a large degree, but I just remember a girl from school coming up to me at this bonfire, and she wasn't a close friend, really. Think she was just somebody that I knew. And she said that there's a guy in the car park, in the beach car park, which was sort of halfway up mm. to my recollection, halfway up quite a long dark road. He had to drive down to get to this beach, it was like a bush, surrounded yes, with bush, and to get Down to the beach, she had to get down this long road drive or walk down there. And the car park, I think, was probably about half or three quarters of the way down there. And it was very, very dark. Remember, it was a very, very dark night, particularly dark. And of course, again, we didn't have phones, so we didn't have a light. I wouldn't have thought to bring a torch or anything practical like that. But I remember her coming up to me and saying that there was a man waiting for me that wanted to talk to me in the car park. So, again, Hard to imagine what the hell I was thinking, but uh, rather idiotically off I went to talk to him in the car park because I was probably just interested to see who it was and why he wanted to talk to me. And there was a very, I remember, you know, just in my mind, the image that I saw first as I went into the car park was a very, very um, X-Files-esque type of image where I could see the sort of older style car that he had and just the tip of a lit cigarette that he was smoking and because it was so dark and he was sort of in profile because he was sitting in his car I couldn't clearly see his face and it's eerie to actually think back and think I don't believe there was a stage where I actually did ever clearly full frontal see his face which is really strange to think of because I mean I know now what just due to the circumstances, what he looked like and everything. But at the time, it was weird because I just remember not being able to really make out his facial features, although there was definitely something sort of familiar about him as well when I went to talk to him. And I remember him just telling me that very sort of sadly or very melancholy more so than threatening, that he told me that he was... Uh, you know, desperately in love with me and, you know, wanted to be with me and thought about me all the time and he apologised for putting the notes and photos in my mailbox and said that he knew that wasn't the right thing to do but he wanted to let me know how he felt and was all very, very sad and very twisted. And again, too, in my recollection, I would have said this man was... I think he was around sort of twenty four at the time. And again I'm I open I'm open to being corrected about that. It's just how I remember it. But he was definitely quite a bit older. Like I know he was a grown man, he wasn't a kid. And yeah, he just told me how much he loved me and said that he realised that, you know, no matter how he felt about me that he couldn't be with me and we could obviously never be together. I don't think it was that he distinctly mentioned age or anything, which would have been the obvious problem if I was 13 and he was that age and a bit ridiculous, but I don't actually remember that that being the point of why he said we couldn't be together. I don't know what his main point was, but he told me that he would often get up in the morning and go and sit in the park I mentioned at the beginning of the recording, the park across from where the bus stop was. And where I couldn't see him and just watch me at the bus stop. He said he did that quite a lot of times. And I just remember being completely creeped out with that, as anybody would be when you've been told someone's, you know, literally stalking you, walking around watching you when you don't know they're there. And I found out that night as well that he lived probably, if the bus stop was 50 metres to the left of my front door, he might have been 100 metres to the right of my front door. So it was the opposite way, which would have meant that wherever he was going, you know, of morning or in the day would have had to have driven past the, bu- the bus stop, the school bus stop. So he must have, that must have been how he saw me in the first place, I think. I don't know. But, you know, it just totally creeps me out even to think that he lived that close to me and, and you know, I was hardly big on security or big on Closing the ca- the <laughs> the words out curtains closing the curtains in the little place I lived in I just would have had no sense of any kind of security or privacy in that way and it I just shuddered to think you know what could have happened or how many times he might have been around my place or looking in the window or gosh only knows but he you just said all that and was just very sadly saying that we couldn't be together he understood that and everything and then I remember he asked me did I want to come for a drive in his car with him just to drive around town and talk a bit and thank you to the goddess that I had the wherewithal and you know just that modicum of common sense again where I said no to that like no to that proposition and didn't get in the car with him and you know I can sort of look back and say my gut feeling even now is that I don't 100% believe he was going to kill me or anything I or attack me in any way. I might be completely wrong and just say so naive. It is beyond ridiculous that I still feel this way. But to me, it just on an intuitive level, wasn't the feeling that I had. Just to be fair, I didn't think that this man was wanting to harm me. I, I just, I don't know, again, I may have been very, very wrong. And to anyone who's listening, particularly young women listening to this or young people, that is no reason to ever get in a car with anybody, whether you have a gut feeling they're going to hurt you or not, just don't do it. whether you feel strange about it or not. Um yeah, I just felt like that might have been a silly thing for me to say because I think under no circumstances, no matter whether you're getting a okay vibe from them or not, that this was a man that had done very strange things leading up to this, obviously. and, but me being the, I don't even know what you would call it at that age, 13, just so, so innocent and so vulnerable, I wouldn't have put all this together. and this, But luckily, as I say, didn't go with him and just went back to the party. And I remember asking the girl who had given me the message to say that this guy wanted to talk to me. I was asking her who he was and did she know him particularly well. And she was the one that told me, you know, it, I think everything that I ever learned about him was just through her and me having that conversation that she told me who he was, think how old he was, he might have told me that as well, and, and was sort of saying, you know, to her knowledge that she'd known him for a while and he wasn't obviously completely crazy or insane or dangerous or not that she'd ever seen, kind of thing seen or heard. And... You know, he wasn't known for being really weird towards young girls or anything, not to her knowledge. And she just, I remember her just even at the time saying, oh, be be careful, because it's obviously a pretty weird thing to do. And uh, she might have been a little bit older than me even, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, so yeah, that's just sort of where it ended, you know, for the time being that I went back to the party and I would have just been, you know, I don't think I would have forgotten about it, but I didn't think about it for the next couple of days. And then again, time wise, I'm very open to being corrected on this, but I believe it was only a matter of days after after that evening that I was at a friend's home and the mother of my friend came into the room where we were, into my friend's bedroom, and said, did we know a man called blah, blah? I won't say his name, obviously. But had, did we know a young man with by that name? And it was the name of my stalker. And I said yes, and just said yes, that I didn't know who it was. And she went on to, to say that it had just been, she'd just found out from another somebody's mum that um, he had unalived himself uh, in a very horrific way where, you know, I don't feel like the details are important, but it involved him putting a chain around his neck and a chain. I uh, can't work out. I don't want to even try to work out how that works, but somehow involving a tree and driving either towards or away from a tree. I don't know how logistically that would work, but to choke himself, which is what he did. And it was apparently a very horrific accident scene, as it would be. And, yeah, I I can't even, I can't begin to explain what I get the chills even thinking about it just now of what I felt like at the time. I still get just very cold, chilling, feeling up my spine. It's very unpleasant because, you know, at 13, obviously, again, I wouldn't have had the capacity to even put it anywhere in my brain that that's what had happened. I didn't know you know, directly how much it related to me. I you know obviously now I can look at it and just think it was absolutely through no fault of my own. I could have no control over the situation, whether I wanted to or not. And apparently there was, uh, I was later told, a letter that was left from him as well, which directly named me as, I guess, the reason, for want of a better way to put it, for what he'd done and it was just far too much for a little girl to comprehend. And even now I just don't uh, get my head around it, but it was just another just really, really dark, awful time. And I can't even imagine his family, his poor family. It was would have just been such a dreadful, dreadful thing at the time. And again, just through the passage of time, I just remember there was sort of things said about it. A few people said things to me about it particularly at school, as if they knew that I was somehow the, I can't think what you implicated, I suppose, it's not quite the word, um, but in what had happened. And then I remember for quite a few months after that, this man's younger brother who was also slightly older than me, he might have been 15 when I was 13 or something, but that was his younger brother and his younger brother would mercilessly pick on me at school like really really horribly now when I think about it he would come up to me and say just terrible things to me like really really viciously putting me down he called me just all sorts of horrible names that I wouldn't repeat now and he was just really horrible to me and I remember just being quite terrified of him because he very much came across as very unhinged as well and that And I don't know, again, it's like, again, with the time thing, I just think I don't know exactly how long this went on for, but it seemed to go on for a long time and then gradually just sort of tapered out where it wasn't really spoken about anymore. I mean, his younger brother, it could have been that he had left school because he could have at that age. I'm really not sure what happened there. And thankfully I remember for years after that never really seeing that guy again, like seeing the younger brother around town or anything strangely. So I think by the grace of the goddess, I was kept away from him and he was kept away from me. But yeah, as you can imagine, it was just a very, very dark, very awful time. I had remember having terrible nightmares about it at the time of just really, really horrific, dark nightmares of just the scene playing out in front of me. And it was always kind of in the first person like I was there when it happened, which I obviously wasn't, but I think my imagination would have got the better of me at the time and and put the pieces together of what I thought happened and how I thought it might have played out and yeah, it was just very, very traumatic and horrible. So there's a lot of places I could go from here to sort of wind this story up and you'll see what I mean now about it being very dark and very dark themes and themes of obvious um, mental trauma and mental illness. And uh, again, obviously, the 80s thing. I keep saying the 80s thing because there was just so little recourse to help or anything at that time. I've never had any kind of therapy, counselling, anything else about this. I never really talked about it to anybody. So, you know, I just feel like it's another one of those things that I just kind of carry that was just you know bizarre in so many ways and another one of the you know instances where i just think why no not i don't mean to sound like the perpetual victim but just like why was it me why did he fixate his dark obsessive thing on me i had done nothing to warrant it nothing to ask for it not that there's any way you could ask for that but yeah you know, just another one that i ponder still to this day of what on earth that was about, why it would have happened, etc. And yeah, so that's my story of the stalker. And I have had later in life I've had two other incidents of stalkers with completely different people, which I'll get to those stories quite a bit later because they were not they are both when I'm quite a bit older. I'm literally an adult by the time those happen, but they're just one of them, particularly, is a very creepy story. So I will tell that one day. And yeah, it's not a pleasant thing to experience. And my heart goes out to anybody who has been through anything similar to that. It's such a violation to know that you, you you've been followed, you've been watched, you've been monitored by somebody that you didn't even know existed a lot of the time. Just a terrible violation and a terrible thing to do to somebody. And I will always have empathy for this man, for what he ended up doing to himself. He must have, I mean, the level of self-loathing you must feel to have gotten to that stage. I can't even begin to fathom how he must have felt about himself. And so it's a very, very tragic outcome, obviously, but it also doesn't, you know, there's no reason, no excuse why you would ever do that to another human being, particularly a child. And yeah, I just... My heart goes out to anybody who does relate to this story or has had anything similar happen. If you want to tell me your stories, obviously, I always say, uh, feel free to drop me a message at podcast at gmail.com. I obviously never mention any names. I never retell the stories. It's just a platform for you to be able to share you know, a lot of the time because, as we know, we hold on to a lot of things that we might not have ever told anybody And it does do you good, I think, to get these things off your chest. That's why it's good for me. You know, partly I think there's a bit of therapy in me doing this podcast because it does sort of get the stories out of my uh, deeper psyche and sort of onto the surface, which I think can only really be a good thing in the long run. So, yeah, don't be afraid to drop me a message whenever you like. And uh, also my bullseye podcast at gmail.com, drop your Name and in the header or in the following message, just put whether you'd like long pink socks or blue ankle socks, and put your address, obviously, and really careful to put the country as well and any sort of zip codes, postal codes, stuff like that, so I get your address right to send it to. I'll draw this one, this giveaway, the next time I do uh, the number twelve episode, which might be within the next few weeks. Hopefully. But yeah, this has been episode 11 and episode 12 will be on its way. Uh, The next one, again, is a little bit heavy and it does definitely involve descriptions of fairly horrendous child abuse. The next one. So yeah, please just be aware that that's one to avoid if it's going to be too much to listen to. My Absolute last thing I ever want to do is distress somebody or traumatize them more than they already are. And so I'll always give those warnings as much as I possibly can and at any point that I think it's relevant. And yeah, so this has been Tams and Wolf. This is my Bullseye podcast. And thanks so much for your support. And as always, I love you. Bye.